Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. We are Create Tailwind, Harper Jones, Jim Oliver, and we're not giving you tax or legal advice, even though we're going to talk about some of those things. This is our little disclosure. Please seek advice from uh, somebody who's licensed to do that. Well, Harper, we're going to go over uh, an overview of infinite banking and talk just a little bit about how infinite banking can be used for real estate. We've got a great video also that we'll be sharing on specifically real estate investing an example using infinite banking. Just wanted to start off with the basics of infinite banking. You know, Harper, most of us have played this game uh, before. Normally we start when we're kids and we're taught to play this game by our parents. And the game is Monopoly. What's funny is most people were taught to look at how much money is on the side of the board to find out who's winning. But that's not how you win Monopoly. In fact, there's only one rule of Monopoly, Harper, that matters. And it's four houses equal a hotel. Because if I have hotels on this corner of the board or this side of the board or this side of the board, I'm going to take all of the other players' properties, I'm going to bankrupt them, and I'm going to win. But most people don't play Monopoly to win. They were taught to play Monopoly to have fun. Most people weren't taught the right things about money, normally from their parents. They sure didn't get financial education in school. And there are a few people that are playing the game of money and they're playing so well, you don't even realize that they're playing, but they're playing a different game from the rest of the people, what we call the herd. So let's look at how people are playing the game of money, but also let's, let's first kind of just set the board up, right? Now, Daniel Borston said, the greatest obstacle to discovering the shape of the earth, the continents, the ocean was not the ignorance, but it was the illusion of knowledge. We thought we knew what we knew. We thought we knew how to play Monopoly. We thought we knew what to do with our money, which was put it in a 401k and hope that you don't run out of money someday. But we realized that's not really just like the earth isn't flat, that's not what you do with your money. Einstein said, we can't solve our problems with the same thinking we used when we created them. Now, this is a family that we were working with the other day. And, you know, they really kind of have a problem, Harper. They have $36,000 of income coming in. They have $47,000 of expenses. And their debt is $230,000. In fact, more than that. But they get to account for it in a special way. Now, what would you tell this family to do, Harper? I would say you're going to have to uh, raise your revenue or income and uh, lower your expenses or or your spending. Otherwise, you're not going to be in a good position. Yeah. I mean, what we recommended to the family was file bankruptcy. But what if you couldn't file bankruptcy? You know, I mean, by the way, whose budget is this? What family is it? Well, there's a few zeros missing, Harper. Here's their income, 3.6 trillion. Their expenses are 4.7 trillion. And their debt is more than 23 trillion. Whose budget? 
It's the U.S. national budget. Now, by the way, you hit the, the nail on the head is that the only way for this family, the United States, to get out of this is you have to increase income because you're not going to cut expenses, right? And we're not going to cut the debt because the debt just keeps on getting bigger and bigger. So how do you increase income? How does the United States increase income? Well, they're going to have to, you know, tax us to uh, increase their income. Raise taxes. In fact, here's the average maximum rate from 1913 to 1916, okay? And what's our maximum today? 37%. So taxes are on sale. We're in a low tax environment. Now, David Walker wrote a book back in 2010, and he said, if significant fiscal reforms are not enacted in the U.S., interest rates on the national debt will rise, and federal taxes could easily double from current levels by 2030. Now, think about that. Double. And by the way, who's David Walker to make such a claim? Well, he was the Comptroller General of the United States for 10 years which is kind of a fancy way of saying he was the CPA of the United States. He knows the numbers, right? During Clinton and Bush. Okay. So this is not political. He's not, he's, you know, he's, he's worked for a Democrat president and a Republican. And the reason that he says this Harper, the reason that he says this could happen is this four letter word math. Cause if you take social security, Medicare, Medicaid and the interest on the debt, it's going to exceed our GDP, just those four things. We have to increase revenue. Taxes have to go up. So where would you store your wealth if you know taxes are going up? Well, you could store it somewhere where it's taxed today, savings accounts, money market accounts, CDs, non-qualified investment accounts. How about tax tomorrow? Would that make sense if taxes are going up? I don't think so, but your 401k, what you're going to sell your business if you sold it someday, if you sold your real estate someday, and annuities. How about tax never? You're safe or especially designed insurance contract like a bank uses. Now, here's the thing. This is tax never. This is tax tomorrow, but it's tax favored. You've invested in a lot of real estate. Do you depreciate your real estate on your taxes? Oh, Oh, as much as I can. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're, if you're investing for cash flow, then you're, you know, you're really buy and hold for the most part. And we don't have to really worry so much about this. But if we did pay taxes on it in the future because we decided to sell it, we've gotten considerable tax breaks along the way. Agreed? Oh, yes. All right. So if we know all of that, then why aren't people – paying attention to that. And really, here's the answer, Harper. In economics, there's the scene, what they want us to see. And by the way, when I say that, we see 5,000 ads every day. Now, what I mean by that is, I guess I don't have a logo on my shirt, but the logo on our shirt, the logo on our shoes, commercials, you know, mail, everything, all those things together, it's 5,000 inputs a day of what they want us to see, and they want us to have our money flow away from us. Hey, we should buy the fancy shirt. We should buy the nice shoes, okay? And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have those things, you should. 
But also in economics, there's the unseen, what they don't want us to see. Okay. Now, they don't want us to see what's beneath the surface. Well, who's they? The government, Wall Street, and the banks. Now, when I say the government, I really mean the IRS. Okay. They don't want us to know all of the tax breaks that are available out there. They don't want us to know what banks and corporations and really wealthy families are doing. But in the wild, Harper, icebergs can flip. And when they flip, the unseen becomes the seen. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Things like this, constant compounding, guaranteed growth, tax-free use, multitasking dollars, control liquidity and use of your money, velocity of money. Now, if you go see a CPA or a CFP, they're not going to talk to you about these six things. They're going to talk to you about average rates of return, dollar cost averaging, modern portfolio theory. That's what they're going to talk to you about. But Robert Kiyosaki in his book, great book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he said most people are poor because they're taking their financial advice from salespeople instead of rich people. Now, the people that work for Wall Street, what are they? They're salespeople. They're not analysts. They're the middlemen for the money managers and the analysts, right? Okay, so the most profitable business in the world is banking. Okay, well, if it's the most profitable business in the world, Harper, do you think maybe we should be in that business if it was possible? I'd say so. If you ever want to see a a banker, somebody that owns a bank get excited, tell them you know of another one for sale. Yeah, well, we... uh... You know, we're always actually in the business of banking, but we may be on the end of the part of banking that we don't want to be on. Someone else would be profiting while we could be taking over that banking function. Are you going to profit from the banking in your life or somebody else? So let's look at how banks make money. First, you have a depositor. The depositor, they go down and make and they put money in the bank. Now, Harper, what do 99% of the people say when we ask them, when you put money in the bank, when you deposit money in the bank, is that an asset or a liability to the bank? Well, most people say it's an asset because now they got cash, but it's actually a liability because they owe it to you. The assets are the loans, the loan portfolio. That's right, because they got to give you your money back anytime you want it, and they haven't done anything with it. So how do they turn it into an asset? They loan it out to a borrower. And the loan is the asset. In fact, if we were in a board meeting at a bank, we'd be talking about our loan portfolio because we know that the borrower pays the bank interest and then the bank pays the depositor interest. By the way, this is the scene, remember, above the surface? So let's use an example. Let's say we deposit $10,000 in the bank. And let's just say that the bank's going to pay us 0.2% or $20 over the next year. It's hard to get excited about that. And, but let's say the borrower is going to pay the bank 5.2% or $520. Well, how much more did the bank make than you, the depositor? The consumer has been trained to say $500, no big deal, right? But that's not how a business works. The way that a business works is you divide your cost into your profit. And we can see that $20 goes in the 520, 26 times, which means the bank made 2,600% more than you. 
and they did it with your money. Now, Shakespeare said, if you understand the players in the play, you'll know what's going on. So you have the depositor, the owner of the bank, and the borrower. And infinite banking in a nutshell is just building a wall around this transaction. Because Harper, if you're all three of these, how do you lose money? You don't. How does anybody make money off of you? They don't. They don't. By the way, when I first saw this, Harper, I said 2,600%. There's no way a bank has a 2,600% profit margin. But guess what? This is Bank of America. And here's their bank analytical report that is done by a company called Bauer Financial. And Bank of America happens to be out of Charlotte, North Carolina. And this is from 2016. But as you can imagine, it doesn't change much. So let's go through this real quick. Interest expense. Okay, that's what they pay us, 1.9 billion. Of, out of 860 billion of interest-bearing deposits, the top highlight. Okay, we already know from our math on the, on the previous slides that it's 0.2%, that 1.9 billion is 0.2% of 860. Interest income, what, what we pay them, 44.8 billion, that's 5.2% of the 860, which we know is 5.2%, right? Is that's, we know that that's a 26 to one ratio. Is that amazing? It's just honestly incredible. It is, it is. We wanna be in the banking business, right? Yeah. All right, so here's another example of how banks control money. And by the way, we're just using math like David Walker said. This isn't our opinion, this is just a calculator. $300,000 mortgage, 5%, which is high right now, but you know, these things go up and down. 30 years, here's my payment, $1,610. If I pay $1,610 for all 30 years, I pay in about $580,000. Now let's just stop this example for a second right here. That means that 48 cents of every dollar that I pay is interest and 52 cents is principal goes to me. The 48 cents, who does that go to? The bank. So when you take out a mortgage, they have something called TIP, total interest paid, right? That's your total interest paid, $280,000 or 48% of every dollar you pay. So let me ask you a question, Harper. You earn a dollar. You got to pay me half. Do you care what your interest rate is? No, I don't. I care that you get half of every That's right. dollar. Man. That's right. So, um, by the way, the average mortgage in the United States is five years old. That means if you look at amortization tables, it means that about 80% or a little bit more goes to the bank's benefit and 20% goes to our benefit. And there's a reason why the bank always wants you on an adjustable rate mortgage so that, the, that people think it's so they can raise your interest rate. Now they'll actually lower your interest rate. They just want to start your amortization over and over and over and over again, because then they keep you as a financial slave and you never get out from under them. Right. And not to mention the, you know, loan origination points, the other closing costs that you have every time that you refinance. And one thing I would say is, you know, we're all familiar, especially because this is for this group for uh, uh, Todd Fleming here, that when you're looking at it, so the real estate people, right? 
an amortization table. Pull that up in Excel and have another column where it has, you know, they may already have a cumulative interest, but take the uh, interest um, with each payment, divide it to the total payment and see how much it actually is, even on a 15, 20 year am, not even uh, as bad as a 30. And then look at the cumulative interest and divide it out. And you'll see the average of interest paid and the per interest payment that you're paying. And you'll see that, you know, we, we do love cash flow and we do love leveraging, um, you know, the right debt, you know, from banks or seller finance, but you got to take that into consideration that most people just look at maybe what they're net in that month's on cash flow. But what about all that principal pay down you could have been having too? you know, there can be a good happy medium that you got to, you know, take into consideration. Absolutely. Remember this is, you know, in this example, I'm just using as our personal home, which is a liability, right? So we're, we're paying that kind of interest on a liability. Now, here's the point of this example with the calculators though, is what do they do with that $1,610 that we pay them every month? Oh, you know, since they're so profitable, they're just going to go do it again. They're going to go loan it out. So in my calculator, Harper, if I put 5% in here, it assumes that every time that I receive a payment as the bank, I loan it out to somebody else for the remainder of this loan and the same terms as this loan, the same duration, interest rate, everything else. Does that make sense? So just loaning out the money one more time. If they do that, they're going to make a million dollars on a $300,000 loan. Pretty good, right? Loaning it out one more time. They're going to loan it out over and over and over and over again. So Nelson Nash, one of our great mentors who wrote a great book called Becoming Your Own Banker, he said, if you know what's happening, you'll know what to do. So if that's happening, what do we do? Well, we have to get into business. And if we're going to be in the banking business, the infinite banking concept business, then it's going to look something like this, okay? Let's say the first year we put in $100,000 in our business and we can take out $62,000. Did we have a good first year? I'd say it's pretty good. I would say it's really good, right? You can't put a million dollars in a McDonald's and take 620 grand out. No, no. Right? Okay. So by the way, these are averages and it just depends on your age and, and everything else, but they're, these are close. Okay. Just don't hold those to these exact numbers. The next year I put in a hundred thousand and I'm going to have anywhere from, you know, the high 90 some percent to actually over a hundred percent, depending on age and gender and everything else. But somewhere around, I put in a dollar, I have a dollar. Now, by the way, Business looking better now. I mean, every dollar we're putting in, we can take out. And what if it just got better and better every year? Well, would you open this business? Absolutely. I'd want to start multiple. Yeah. And so let's now let's take it to the next level and say, well, we said we were going to be a banking business. So how are we going to use the money that we have? So the first year we put in a hundred thousand. I said we'd have sixty-two thousand. And let's say we owe on some of our equipment $62,000. So we pay that loan off and the $6,000 a month that we were paying on that loan, we pay it back to ourselves. Instead of this going to the bank, somebody else's bank and flowing away from us, we get it to flow back to us. And now we have use of it again. We get to use it again. The next year I put in 100,000, I said I would have 100,000 or a little bit more, okay? And I could use this money again, so I'm gonna have 170 some thousand. Well, let's say I have a tax bill 
for 170 some thousand that I'm paying 15 grand a month for my taxes. And that money's going to the IRS every month. Well, I pay this tax bill and that 15 grand, I pay back to myself. So at the end of the year, I have $180,000 that I can do something with. The next year I put in 100,000. I said I would have a little bit more than 100,000. So I'm gonna have 280 some thousand dollars and I'm gonna go find some real estate. I'm gonna invest the 282,000 and it's gonna cash flow $2,500 a month. Well, at the end of the year, I've got 30 grand, right? The next year I put in 100,000. I said I'd have a little bit more than 100,000. Plus I got my 30 grand I can use again. So I have $143,000. Now let's review those numbers just to that point. By the way, that's the three years and one month. So I put in 400 grand. I paid off $235,000 of debt. I have $365,000 of cash value in the policy and I own $290,000 worth of real estate. Is that pretty good? a pretty good investment? Not bad, right? By the way, I also have $30,000 passive income. And it's as simple as this, Harper. You write checks to you instead of the bank. And the continued use of this system will create an ever-increasing pool of money for you, your family, and your business. But there's only one product that'll do all of the things that I need it to do. And it's a specially designed dividend paying whole life insurance contract. And it's not the type of contract that New York Life or Northwestern Mutual or life insurance agents sell, okay? One, we do buy it from a mutual insurance company because there's two types of insurance companies. There's stock companies and there's mutual companies. And both of them pay 100% of the profits to the owners of the company. Shareholders own the stock company and policyholders own the mutual company. If we're gonna be a policyholder, we wanna be an owner. Make sense? By the way, you think, well, who's done anything like that? How about Ray Kroc? He didn't take a salary during the first eight years and to overcome constant cash flow problems, he borrowed money against two life insurance policies to help cover salaries and things like that of key employees. And then Disney couldn't get a loan from the bank, so he went and borrowed money out of an insurance contract, and a large part of the money that was needed to create Disneyland came from those life insurance contracts. These companies understand it, by the way. These are banks, and these are the cash values that they have in their life insurance contracts. It's something called BOLI, bank-owned life insurance. Again, that's the unseen. Most people don't know that. And they sure don't know that the government limits how much money a bank can have in a life insurance contract. It actually can only be 25% of their tier one asset. Okay, so here's what we normally do with banking. You earn money, you put it in a checking account, then all your money flows out for these things. Your lifestyle, major purchases, taxes, savings, and investments. Now, you either have lost opportunity cost or you pay interest to somebody else, okay? Saying that, hey, pay cash for everything is not putting value on your cash and it's violating economic value added, an economic principle, right? But if you notice this, all of the money that you're saving and investing is in a prison sentence because most people put all of their money in their 401k and leave it there for 20, 30, 40 years and they don't benefit from it at all. 
It's stagnant. Now, motion is a law of God. If air doesn't flow in and out of our bodies, we die. If blood doesn't flow through our bodies, we die. If water doesn't flow, it becomes stagnant. If money doesn't flow, you guessed it, it becomes stagnant and dies. All the flow, though, in this typical banking scenario is away from you. Now, Dave Ramsey would tell you to slow down the flow. You know, if this whole seminar was about lowering your standard of living, Harper, would that get you really excited to watch? Uh, not me. And one thing I want to point out here, which yeah. every time I look at it, you know, I, I, I've seen this time and time again, but every time I look at it, it still just kind of leaves me in awe. Or it's so true that we're, we're taught to slow down the outflow of, of money, that uh, the inflow that comes into your, you know, your life, business and personal. And then you got, you know, those different columns there, lifestyle, major purchases, taxes, et cetera. And then you got your savings and investment. And say if, if we're out, to uh, you know, a dinner with friends or business associates, everyone's bragging about the rate of return they got. But what they're, you know, what they're dismissing is they're only focused on that bottom block of savings and investments where who cares if you get 25% on that? That's great, but that may only be 10, 15%, 20% of your income every year. But what if we could take it a step back where the checking account is there and we could recapture some of that lost interest, right? And uh, lost opportunity costs then maybe we get, you know, a couple percentage points on that. And that really helps the big picture and the uh, overall, you know, perspective of it. So you don't have to focus as much of the rate of return on the small amount because you're recapturing percentage points on on the whole thing. Absolutely. That's a great point, Harper. Um, You know, the other thing, Harper, you know, people say slow down your your flow away from you, the, you know, your spending or increase your income. But when they say increase your income, they mean in their job. That means work harder, get promoted, um, get a new job that pays you more money than the old job. You know, I don't want a job. Okay. Now, here's the thing is every dollar that you put in your checking account will only ever be worth a dollar. Now, remember in that insurance contract, I put in $100,000 and I had more than $100,000. Now, our mentor, Nelson Nash, he had a policy that was actually purchased back in the 1950s. And he put in $388. And his, the money that the insurance company allowed him to use for that deposit was $5,700. That meaning he put in 388 His balance in his account that he could collateralize went up $5,700. Now, if you could write that check, Harper... How big would you want that first check to be? As as big as I can. As big as they would let you write it, right? Okay. Now, here's how infinite banking works. You have this insurance contract, and it has cash value. In fact, it's designed for cash value. That's the focus. It has those other things, death protection, illness protection, because we have to qualify it as life insurance to get all of the tax benefits, which one of the big ones is tax-free buildup and tax-free access, okay? But this money has to grow every day, guaranteed, never go backwards, tax-free, because taxes are a huge eroding factor, okay? Now, we're gonna buy it from this mutual insurance company, and because you own part of the company, they are required by contract to give you an interest-only loan. And for the real estate investors out there on this, on this, in this group that have been in real estate investing since before 2008 or nine, we used to be able to get these types of loans from traditional lenders. 
Okay, but here's something that 95% of insurance professionals don't know. When I take that loan, my money doesn't go anywhere. They just put a lien on my cash value and they have to give me their money. So up to 100% of my cash value, the insurance company has to. I don't have to qualify for it. I don't have to apply for it. They just have to give me their money. So now I have use and control of somebody else's money, other people's money. Just like in real estate, when you talk about seller finance and things like that, creative ideas, this is another creative idea to use somebody else's money to go build your wealth. Use and control of OPM, other people's money. So we're going to go buy real estate. That real estate is going to cash flow. We're going to flow that money back to us. And then we're going to pay, remember, we don't have to. It's an unstructured interest-only loan. But if we want to pay principal back to the insurance company, we can. And every dollar that we pay them reduces our lien by that dollar and increases our net cash value available. So what are we going to do? What does the bank do when you pay that $1,610? Yeah, we're, we're going to do it all over again. Okay, so we're going to buy the next asset. And I'm just mixing it up. But let's just say that that's a business that we're going to buy. By the way, it could be in real estate, it could be a storage or, or mobile home park, right? It's going to cash flow. So now I got this cash flow, this cash flow, all flowing back to me. I flow at my discretion any money back to the insurance company. These policies start to get full. I open more branches of my bank. And I just keep doing this over and over and over again, Harper, as many times as I possibly can, just like the bank would do. Okay? Over and over again. Now, all of the lost earnings or interest that you would have paid for expenses, you can also use your bank for that. But here's the really cool thing, is all of that money that you are storing back in those insurance contracts is available to you at 0% tax. And one of the really cool things is, is normally if this was like an account, like a savings account or mutual fund, I could have this or I could have this, but I get both. I get the rate of return over here in the policy and I get the rate of return on my assets or I get the lost opportunity cost or interest that I would have paid for the expenses. I get both, it's an and asset. I'm building two assets instead of one. There's no other vehicle in the world that'll do that. Yeah, and one thing that I'll you know, throw in there is say, okay, well, when you pay a tax bill, property taxes, income taxes, whatever, if you're real good, maybe you can limit your income taxes some, right, with the depreciation and whatnot. But at some time, you're gonna have taxes you're paying. Well, when you send that dollar out and pay that tax, then those dollars are out from your vicinity or your warehouse of wealth, right? But if you could borrow against an ever-increasing tax-free um, uh, pool of money at simple interest, front the tax bill, and then pay yourself back over time, you'll put yourself in a better position, right? That's one thing. That's one example. They call it the infinite banking concept because, yeah, you're banking the whole time, but it's up to your imagination and how you think. That's why we have some of those quotes at the beginning because it really is how you think. Now, when you're looking at real estate, you know, we can get some stuff. We're making 5 or 8%. We get stuff we're making 50 100% you know, return, 
uh, you know, it just depends, but whatever deal that is, there's not always going to be a deal necessarily right in front of you. And you're going to have to store your capital or wealth somewhere while you're waiting for that opportunity or to pull the trigger. Well, are you going to sit that in someone else's bank? Or are you going to sit that in your own bank where that can all grow, you know, tax free and you you can access it uh, quickly, easy, um, and, uh, you know, go, you know, now snatch up that deal. And why are we doing all this? Is it to get a good net worth number? Maybe, but really you can't do much with net worth. You need to access that and say, hey, cash flow, money's got to flow. Well, by utilizing, you know, a policy, system policies, you know, we and we can project all this stuff out. But once again, it depends. Say you're funding these policies. Well, you could take out 50, 100, 200K a year indefinitely when you're getting to your passive income time. And that's all tax-free, 0% tax bracket, because this is after tax in there and the way that we live off of it, you can never file a 1099. So it's, it's, some, it's some awesome stuff that, that you can do with this. Right, right. It's really kind of amazing. And when you're trying to break away from the rat race, you have to know what game you're playing, you know? And, and again, when you get back to the beginning and you look at monopoly you can either play the traditional way or you can play the way to win the traditional way is to have fun the other way is to win and what does winning look like in real life and money is where your assets provide you income instead of your efforts providing you income and we really have to get to that point to be free Money gives you choices, choices give you freedom. And when you look at how to use this in, in the book that um, I know Todd has on the site and part of the group, Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, and we actually, Todd gets a break on the pricing for, for those books, so you're saving a lot of money if you go through Todd, is in the book, page 14, he talks about imagination being the most important thing, Harper. And if you, if you think about this infinite banking concept and how you would use it for real estate, it should become clear how you would use it. Because instead of leveraging the bank's money at 70 or 75 or 80%, you can use the insurance company's money and the bank's money, which increases your ROR tremendously, maybe even to infinite rate of return. And, um, you know, I know Todd does this, you do this for real estate, I do it for real estate. And, you know, what most people say is, okay, what do I do next to learn about this? And, uh, you know, Harper, I think the, one of the best places to start is the book and also some other videos and just educating yourself. Just like when you wanted to get in real estate investing, the reason you're part of this group is you're educating yourself to know what's your process in real estate. This is just one more thing to use to go buy more real estate. And, um, you know, there's different ways to get a hold of us, but I'm going to write up here our email addresses. If you just reach out to Harper, harper at createtailwind.com. And we'll have uh, Todd list this where the video is at so they can just, you know, uh, copy it too. So they can't, in case they can't read my writing. <laughs> but uh, I didn't know. First of all, I just want to thank everybody for, for watching this. If you have questions, you can go to our website, createtailwind.com. You can uh, watch some videos on YouTube at Create Tailwind, uh, or you can reach out to us via email. Any famous last words, Harper? 
Yeah, and all I'd say is, you know, keep an open mind. You know, definitely read read the book is a great, you know, framework foundation. You know, reach out, you know, Jim and I with any questions and we'll kind of gear where your questions or where your interests are. And we have specific resources. Honestly, we have basically unlimited resources in, in various formats to give you, but we're gonna, you know, start sending it to you once you start diving in through the surface. We don't wanna, you know, overwhelm with stuff. But there's some really cool things we didn't even mention. This is more the surface level stuff and the concept. There's a lot, lot, uh, super cool deep dive things you can do that we can get into. Perfect. Thanks again. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.